Hi, this is Dr. Daniel Williams with the PTSD Academy podcast, episode 29. And today I wanted to focus a podcast on acute inpatient psychiatric hospitalization. This is when, this is where people go when they're suicidal or they're homicidal or they have some other kind of mental health disorder that's causing them to not be able to care for themselves or they're making dangerous and reckless decisions. Maybe they have uh, schizophrenia or dementia standing in the street or something unaware of what they're doing. So if someone becomes unable to make decisions for themselves or is deemed unsafe and they need to get help quickly, acute inpatient psychiatric hospitalization is the quickest way to do that. Why? Because they have 24-hour monitoring, they have nursing staff available, assistant staff, prescribers. Uh, some places will do psychology one-on-one individual sessions while you're in, in the hospital. So the idea is that they use a multifaceted approach. Sometimes occupational therapists, music therapists, or recreational certified therapists. So like sometimes nine different specialties are looking at you when you go in a psychiatric hospital. And that's a value. They don't always uh, have the same opinion. And the idea is to get the most amount of people's input so we can know when you're safe to go home, uh, what are the real core issues you need to face? And uh, the truth is that most people don't want to face the painful things about themselves. I don't. It's only when life forces you to that you're naturally going to want to do that. Right? I'm that way. Uh, but I'll tell you what. If you feel suicidal, if you feel homicidal, if you feel like you're out of control and you don't know what you're going to do next, and it could be reckless, and it could cause damage, there could be violence or fights or crimes, Please, please, please call 911 or show up to your emergency room with your um, change of clothes and your toothbrush and just tell them what's going on. Um, Let me walk you through what's going to happen if you or someone you know goes acute inpatient psychiatric hospital like this. The first thing that they're going to do is make sure you're safe. They're going to ask you those questions. It's going to seem like you're going to tell your entire story to at least five different people before you get to someone that can uh, either prescribe or give the right therapy, you know, the, the educated person that you're there for. See, our system is set up at a hierarchy where it takes many years to go to school so that the person that knows the most, you see the least, right? Because they're seeing 10, 20, 30, 40 patients a day, depending on the environment, and they're supervising systems that take care of you. That means when the recreational therapist leads a yoga group, participate. Because it's not just hardcore therapy, depression stuff. They play games in the hospital. They play cards. They have fun. They bond. I've noticed that more, probably 55% of the therapeutic benefit to acute inpatient psychiatric hospitalization across the board is the therapeutic rapport that the patients develop with the other patients. Most of the time, people are given hugs when they leave and sharing phone numbers. And you got to be very, very careful in those relationships because you're, you're making friendships with people that are unstable, just like you. But if someone finds himself in that situation, it's called trauma bonding. <laughs> it's the flip side of all this PTSD pain we're talking about. It's when you and someone else have a shared experience and you go through something difficult together, like an acute inpatient psychiatric hospitalization. And if both parties uh, continue to take care of themselves, uh, can be quite a support after. And I think the, 
biggest reason for that, why it helps so many people, is because when it's a peer, when it's not a paid professional, you know, that's giving you advice, say affirmations, affirmations groups in group therapy are, are the most powerful thing you could do with a group. Why? Because we should be giving each other, strangers, our children, affirmations all the time. When it comes from someone, they say, for example, you're a hard worker, you're funny, you're good to be around, and you have a big heart. If someone were to say that about you, you'd say, oh, yeah, whatever, right? Because most of the time, if you're having trouble with PTSD, you probably haven't been receiving care for quite a while, and you're not used to saying thank you when people give you compliments, right? So it's part of your growth to receive care from other people in general as an adult anyway, whether or not you had PTSD. So try to stretch yourself there and receive affirmations and compliments from other people with grace and compliment. Don't minimize or belittle. Definitely don't put down their effort to bless you. Okay? Just take it and say, thank you. Enough people tell you that, maybe you'll believe it. <laughs> right? It took a lot for me. That's for sure. I'm still learning. The only way I know how to lead you and help you with PTSD Academy podcast is to be authentic. And it has taken me a while to sort of get myself ready to go public in this way, especially in today's climate and with uh, my military service. I was reading my iTunes reviews, for example, on this show and got a four-star review. Someone said, who are you? I don't know who you are. I like the podcast and the content. That's why I'm rating it high, but I can't tell who you are. And the truth is, last year, I was working for the government. Uh, there was the pandemic, and I had a, a deployment pending, and I had to stay low profile on the Internet. But this year, all that's different, and I am looking forward to finding ways to help. Okay? So back to acute inpatient psychiatric hospitalization. You're going to have different forms of therapy, multiple assessments, the opportunity to do medications, and you do not have to do medications to go into the hospital, and they're not supposed to threaten you with you have to take medications or you can't be discharged or anything like that as it's purely an option i'll say in ptsd alone without any other mental health disorders if you just have ptsd most medication help is for sleep and nightmares and we use things like prazosin and propranolol sometimes clonidine for nightmares of course that's all all that's in your the free download on the website if you want to read more but as far as the inpatient goes, the downside is they literally do a strip search on you to make sure you don't have paraphernalia, lighters, knives, razors, because this stuff does get in and through on a regular basis. Keep in mind, these rules, you may be a police officer and have to go inpatient. You know, I've seen it. It's not easy to be subjected to a strip search and keep in mind when you're going through this that you have family members, you have reasons to live. Maybe you have children or grandchildren. There's reasons why you're getting help for yourself and why you want to stay on the planet. And if making sure that the environment of care inside the hospital is safe and that everybody there has been searched, uh, that makes it better for the whole environment. So if, there's, if they're doing some weird policy in a hospital, that means there's a rule. And if there's a rule, it's because someone has needed that rule to be created before. Someone's broken it. Someone's done something badly. Like maybe lighting mattresses on fire in the hospital. I've heard of that one. I'll just throw one out. You know, in PTSD Academy, again, you're not going to hear any trauma stories. I'm not going to suddenly, like, smack you upside the head with an example of something horrific that I've either seen, been a part of, or have heard about. Because I did emergency medicine uh, internship before I switched to research and psychiatry. 
So I've seen all the traumas in the knife and gub club and everything else from rodeos to fires and wrecks uh, at, in the Houston ER and the largest medical center in the world, Texas Medical Center. That's right. So on the whole, I would say that people will get better when they go into the hospital. They do. At least like two-thirds, 80% off the board will hands down tell you, you know, this was a good experience for me. And quite a bit of you people start off going acute inpatient psych without uh, doing it of their own free will. Maybe they said something online like they were suicidal on Facebook or they told a friend or they called 911. You can call the crisis line and speak with someone on the phone as a form of counseling. Sometimes you don't have to go acute inpatient psychiatric to the hospital when you call the crisis line. I was surprised to find out when I entered the field of psychiatry how often some of my patients will call the crisis line, but they clarify very clearly up front that they're not suicidal, they have no access to weapons, or this and that. but they have someone they can try to vent to that's trained to do an assessment to see whether or not you're sicker than you realize. See, usually the problem is we hold it all in, we're trained to, uh, from society and life and experience. And sometimes we go beyond the level where we should have been getting help before we recognize it or anyone in our life knows to tell us or maybe we, we don't trust anyone's input. One way or another, we wind up getting quite isolated, we're not careful, and that isolation can spread to receiving care, taking care of yourself, knowing when to ask for help. Um, if you've got guilt and depression, if you've been around a lot of death or violence and trauma, then in some ways, and, and other podcasts will go into this more detail, you know, it's as if the, the energy of that pain and the destruction that you witnessed got rubbed off onto you, and we turn a certain amount of that destruction towards self-destruction and you have to be careful with that even in the area of just getting help or confidentially trying to talk to a counselor over the phone or the crisis line that brings me to the next subject of confidentiality when you go to a hospital the healthcare information including your diagnosis the region you're in the hospital anything you may have done before you came in the hospital is all private healthcare information Sometimes employers ask questions about it, but there's no way for the employer to know that you were in the hospital if you don't tell them you were in the hospital. So that's kind of the way that works. It's protected healthcare information. Now, if you're sent there from an employer, the rules kind of change. Some state laws are different, and the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA paperwork, sometimes, you know, ask for diagnosis. I want to say in California they don't, uh, but check the rules. Uh, so you would know what kind of information is being released. Of course, if you have health insurance, they're going to know what's going on, but they're not supposed to release that to say information to uh, family or employers, uh, something like that. So that said, if, you, if you're so hypervigilant and you don't want to go into the hospital when you know you need to, it's purely because of the confidentiality and say you're in a divorce case and your ex is going to use it against you, some reason like that, you should know the parameters and look into it. You know, um, generally speaking, I've I've written a handful of letters for people in that particular situation, saying that they were model patients and participated in groups and took their medications and 
and did everything and you know not any kind of threat to themselves or others at this time you can do that kind of thing so as much stress and fear and anxiety might crop up around the idea of going into the hospital uh, and the consequences that you can dream up might could happen to you many times those things are wiped away the system is supposed to be designed to assess you and get you some help and then let you go and be released now let's talk about that I've done a fair amount of work with the military and in in the area of mental health as well as veterans as well as private community and private practice now yes you can make appointments with me online ptsdacademy.com but when you have that much pressure from employees employers that will tell you what you can and cannot talk about you know the psychiatry profession has turned itself into a medication management profession even though cognitive behavioral therapy the number one psychotherapy is was created by a psychiatrist you know so just keep it in mind that uh, psychoanalysts are not on every corner and you may have a master's level counselor you're talking to you could have a prescriber or what they call a mid-level physician assistant or nurse practitioner taking care of your medicines when you're in the hospital either way if you decide to choose medications they give you prescriptions at least a month or so uh, when you leave the hospital so that one of their big responsibilities making sure if you need medications you not only have a prescription when you leave but you have a follow-up appointment to go to when you leave and if there's a therapist uh, therapy that you're wanting they make those appointments before you leave the hospital they use the hospital system itself to identify and assess what the major areas are but you know you've heard the saying five miles into the woods takes five miles to get out if you have a lot of problems and you have a lot of trauma and different you know diagnoses like panic insomnia anxiety depression OCD ADHD any of that stuff or all of the above you know it's going to take some time in therapy so the inpatient experience is not designed to solve all those problems it's really a crisis triage area to give you some hope some inspiration give you some stability a little bit of a break from the outside world but not too much if you start getting comfortable in the hospital and liking it there they're going to want to discharge that's supposed to be there because it's fun or or it's a form of avoidance of life some people will go to multiple hospitalizations in a year and they're they're avoiding you know and uh, I think irresponsibility is like a fundamental problem in, in, in humanity and if we don't take care of our physical mental spiritual emotional self we won't be much of a self to help to be around to take care of others either so I hope that gives you some ideas for acute inpatient psychiatric hospitalization. Take care.